Welcome to the Cross Lane Podcast, a community committed to bringing people to Jesus. Hey, we're in a, a little two-week series. We're coming up on something. I th- I'm, I'm looking forward to a series after this one, and I'm kind of looking forward to. Um, <clears throat> and I don't want to say much about that one, but I had two weeks that I had to fill. And so just a little two-week mini-series that I'm calling Zoology. I had somebody come into the first service and point to the paper and say, I can't wait to hear what, you, how, what you're going to do with zoology. Well, um, we're going to look at a couple of animals, and you can tell which two, um, but today we're going to focus on the rhinoceros. We're going to learn some lessons from the rhinoceros. I want to start this morning by reading to you from Proverbs, uh, the 30th chapter. It says, ants, they aren't strong, but they store up food all summer. Hyraxes, do you know what a hyrax is? It's like a little rodent-type animal, about the size, looks to me like about the size of a, of a rabbit, and they say it's somehow related to an elephant. Um, I don't know, but it says that they make their homes among the rocks, which again, I can't see an elephant doing. Um, locusts, they have no king, but they march in formation. Lizards, they are easy to catch, but they are found even in king's palaces. We often use characteristics to describe people, don't we? We say things like, Strong as an ox, or sly as a, or stubborn as a, see, you're familiar with all those. I want to see this morning what your AQ is, your AQ. Now, I'm not, your IQ is suspicious already, but your AQ, I want to know, I want to know what your AQ is, animal quotient. So I'm going to show you some pictures of gatherings of animals, and I want you to feel free to call out if you think you know what you would refer to that, that group of animals as, okay? So let's take a, the first one. What do you call a group of these? A flock, right, you call it a flock, okay? What do you call a group of fish? A school of fish. What do you call, what, I heard somebody say something that I, wasn't school, a pa- yeah, you call this a pack. Wolves is a pack. You're doing great. You're doing great. I'm so proud of you. What do you call this? Oh, I thought I would trick you. I even put a picture of hives in the, I put hives in the picture hoping that you would say hives. You're actually right. It's a, it's a swarm, a swarm of bees. And if you if you have any questions about that, talk to Ryan. Our youth pastor is a beekeeper and has done a couple of sermons about it. It's really interesting. Uh, but you call that a swarm. What do you call a group of lions? Thank you, Disney, right? Disney, we watched Lion King, and we know that that's a pride. What do you call a group of these? Actually, you call a group of elephants a parade. Did you know that? And then... Uh, what do you call a group of vultures? You call a group of vultures a committee. I'm not making that up. I had somebody walk out of church this morning and say, Brett, in all due respect, I disagree with you. You call a group of vultures lawyers is what you call <laughs> So uh, I hope there aren't any lawyers in the room. If there are, we love you and we're just joking, okay? We're just joking. Today I want to talk to you about a forward-moving faith, and I want to talk about the rhinoceros. I'm going to try to challenge you today to have a faith that is advancing, to have a faith that is growing. It's necessary that we have that. Hebrews 11, in the first verse, says this, Now faith is confidence in what we hope for, 
an assurance about what we do not see. Faith is that moment of trust when you don't have all your questions answered and you don't have all the boxes checked, but you realize that God has given you ample evidence to believe, so you place your trust in him. You say, well, Brett, why is faith so important? Well, later on in chapter 11 of of Hebrews, along about verse 6, we read this, and without faith it is impossible to please God, because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. So if you're living your life to please the Lord, then you're going to need to have a forward faith, a forward-moving faith. Here, here's the promise, this, the, the premise this morning, and um, in case you have to leave earlier, you need the Cliff Notes version, this is really where we're going. A forward faith requires trusting the Lord. If you're going to have a good faith, it's just going to require that you, have, you trust God. Um, if you leave early, that's, that's kind of the whole thing in a nutshell. If your faith is going to advance, if your faith is going to grow, if you're going to uh, really please God, your faith has to be something where you're, you're trusting him. The rhinoceros is a unique animal. And it, it shares some practical parallels with how I think God wants us to, to lead our lives. I want us to look at four of those parallels this morning. That's really going to make up the, the, our study together. Four parallels that can, that can help you advance your faith. Uh, a rhinoceros is not physically wired to back up. I don't know if you know that or not, but they do not have a reverse. They're the only quadruped that, that really, it's almost impossible for them. I think they can do it, but it's really hard for them to put it in reverse and back up. Um, it's just unnatural for them. So the first parallel is a forward faith for, focuses on today, not yesterday. A forward faith focuses on uh, today and not yesterday. I would liken that unto your car. Your car has a couple of uh, important things in it. One of them is a rear view mirror and the other one is a windshield. And you need to be looking through one of them a whole lot more than you're looking at the other, right? You're, when you're learning to drive, they tell you, hey, circle of awareness, be aware of your mirrors and check them once in a while, which is, that's, a, that's good advice. But you, you don't forsake the windshield for very long. Because if you do, you're going to run into trouble. If you do, you're going to have some real issues. I, um, I was, after church last week, I went home and took my post-sermon nap and slept hard. Man, I, I, what a nap that was. And uh, when I woke up, the race, I was going through Twitter and I, I, it said something about the, the NASCAR race. They were racing on dirt. And I'm like, well, I got to see that. So I turned on the television, which my wife loves. Dee Dee loves it when I turn the race on. She just doesn't get it. Car's going in a circle. Brett, it's, what's wrong with you that you would watch that for two hours? But I'm a simple man. Anyway, they're racing these cars on this dirt track. They've actually brought dirt in and put it down on the Bristol track, and they're racing NASCARs on dirt tracks, which fascinated me. And they're, as they're going around in the circle, this guy's in the lead, and the two guys that were, talk, that were calling the race, I think it was Clint Boyer and, and Darrell Waltrip, and they were having a discussion about the, the lead driver, and they said, look, he's, he's really focused too much on this guy behind him, and if he's not careful he's going to slip up and that guy's going to get around him. He needs to just focus on the road in front of him. And about that time, Darrell Waltrip piped up and said, if I'm in the car, just rip out the rearview mirror. I don't need one of those. I just want to look through the windshield. 
I don't care about the guy behind me. I'm just trying to, I'm dealing with what's in front of me. Um, for you and me, if we're driving, it, it really makes sense for us to once in a great while, not, not even a great while, but once in a while, check the mirror. It's important to know what's going on around you. It's important to see who's coming up on you and things like that. But most of the time should be spent looking forward because if you don't, you're going to end up in an accident. It's not an accident that, that the mirror is so much smaller than your windshield. Your windshield is the important thing. Look through that and make sure you see what's coming. Um, I've done a lot of counseling over the years, and uh, I've, I've counseled a lot of Christians who were consumed with what had happened in their past. And they were so marked by what had happened in their past, and they, they completely were unfocused on what lies ahead of them. They just couldn't get their mind off of things that had happened in their past. In his letter to the Philippians in the third chapter, Paul says this. He says, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. The devil would have you focus on those things that are in your past, things that people have done to you, things that people have said to you. He wants you looking in your rearview mirror, not through the windshield. And he specializes in guilt trips. He specializes in bringing up the past and reminding us of our past mistakes and, and heaping shame on us so that we're living in the past and we're not really uh, learning from it. We just kind of dwell there and, and we just kind of, um, you know, gather all those experiences close and sing a woe is me song and we don't really ever gain anything from it. And in those moments, it's easier to gravitate back to bad decision making, to gravitate back to routines and habits that are not good for us. It's really easy to slip into something like that. He will use shame, the devil will use shame as a tool to trick you or to bring you into repeating bad behavior. It's been said that a grave is nothing, a rut is nothing more than a grave with the ends kicked out of it. I like that. That's pretty good. What I would say to you is you need to change it up. You need to figure out how to establish some new habits. You need to, you know, I know it's hard, but you've got to force yourself to kind of step into something new, to trust God in some area of your life. Develop some positive routines. Find things that will feed your faith and advance your faith in God. Take the spotlight off yourself. When I'm doing counseling with people, I, I, um, I know what my limitations are. I am not a trained counselor. Uh, my counseling basically comes from what I've understood from the Word of God and, and from many, many years of, of doing counseling, and, and it comes just from life experience. But there's a point where when I'm dealing with somebody, especially when they're depressed or things like that, if it's a, if it's a deep depression, I don't, that's above my pay grade, and I understand that. And I'll refer those people to a therapist or to someone that can really help them. But if it's a, if it's a mild depression, I, I will often tell them, hey, you've got to get your mind off yourself. And you need to do something for somebody else. Leave here. Leave me. Go find somebody. I don't care who it is. Go to Kroger, for crying out loud, and help people put groceries in their car. I don't know. Just go do something and get your mind off yourself. Um, serve people in the church, serve people in the community, do something, serve your family. But, but don't just internalize everything and, and not, not make some outward expression toward other people. James chapter 2 says this, this is a very familiar passage, faith without deeds is dead. You may have learned it, faith without works is dead. So what do we 
want to do. We want to serve other people. Not out of some obligation, not because we, you know, we've been guilted into it, but out of an appreciation for everything that God has done for us. We just say, God, because you've forgiven me, because you love me, because you've given me this life, I want to take some of it and invest it in some other people. God wants you to experience an abundant life, a joyful life. He wants you to live a life with passion. And he wants you to, to you know, the things that happen in your world, he wants, you know, wants it to be vibrant and great. And you do that by focusing what it, on what is ahead of you, not necessarily what is behind you. Forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead because forward faith does not focus on yesterday. Forward faith focuses on today. Rhinos don't retreat. They advance. Uh, rhinos run fast. I don't know if you knew that or not, um, but they see poorly. That's the problem with a rhino. Um, a rhino can only see about 20 or 30 feet in front of them. Now, how would you like to be the guy that got tasked with figuring that out, right? You show up to work one morning. What am I doing today? Well, we're going to have you figure out how far ahead a rhino can see. I'd be looking for a new line of work. That's, that's going to get you in trouble. And you would think that because a rhino doesn't see well, but it can run fast, you would think that that would make the rhino cautious or tentative, or, or careful in some way, but that's not true. Um, that's not the way God wired a rhinoceros. Check out this video of two rhinos chasing a jeep. They're pretty agile. You know, for the way they look, they don't look very athletic, but they're really surprisingly athletic. The fastest man in the world uh, is, I think it's still Usain Bolt. If there's somebody faster, I don't know who it is. But they say Usain Bolt can run 27 miles an hour at top speed. Well, that's impressive, but a rhino runs faster than that. A rhino runs over 30 miles an hour, okay? So if you ever come face-to-face -face with a rhino and it hits your brain, run, that's the wrong, <laughs> he'll catch you, okay? Um, here's our second parallel. A forward faith faces fear and runs it over. A forward faith faces fear and runs it over. Now, when I got to this point, the, the first image that came to my mind was Pete Rose and Ray Fossey at home plate in the All-Star game. I think this is about 1970 at Riverfront Stadium. Um, and I don't know what you think about that play. Everybody has a different opinion about that play, but that was the first thought I had because Pete Rose just basically barrels Ray Fossey over, I think pretty much ended Ray Fossey's career. So that was the first image I had. And then the second image I had was this guy. Anybody know who that is? Walter Payton, sweetness. Here's the thing I loved about Walter Payton. He would just as soon run over you as he would run around you, right? He was fearless. Um, he didn't like going out of bounds. If you were trying to get him, if you were thinking, well, he's going to run out of bounds here, I don't have to tackle him. Oh, no. Walter was going to put his head down and run over you. And I looked for a picture that caught that, and I really had a hard time finding any. Saw several like this because he did this a lot, and I saw a lot of pictures of him in open space where because he was he was really hard to tackle. He was really good, um, but I just had that image of Walter running somebody over. That's kind of what a rhino does. Remember, they're nearsighted, but when a rhino is on mission, he has no fear. He's just simply not afraid. Uh, there's a phrase that is repeated in Scripture. It's repeated 365 times. The phrase is this, fear not. We are told 365 times in Scripture to fear not. 
It's the most repeated phrase in all of God's word. I think he's trying to tell us something. I think he's trying to say, hey, for every day of the year, I want you to hear me say this to you, fear not. It's a big deal to God. God does not want us living our life in fear. God does not want you walking through this life in fear. He wants you advancing in confidence. He wants you to be courageous. Think about if you could run 20 to 30 miles an hour, if you could only see 20 or 30 feet in front of you, you can run 30 miles an hour, you weigh about 2,200 pounds, you would not be worried about much. You know, you, you just, any problem you had, you pretty much would put it in your past and it would be flattened when you were done with it. And we started this morning by talking about different groups of animals and what you call them. Does anybody know what you call a group of rhinoceroses? Rhinoceri? You know what you call them? Someone in first service actually knew this. You call them a crash. A crash of rhinos. Um, if If something gets in their way, they don't take time to fear it. They certainly don't stop. They just keep moving forward and they, they mow down whatever it is that's in their path. Now, I've got a video that I want to show you. When I saw this, I mean, my heart kind of raced because I thought, man, what would I do if I was in a car? Watch this. No, thank you, right? Now, because the rhino doesn't see very well, his hearing is excellent. He can't see much. He can't see very far, but his hearing is really good. In fact, they say that the rhinoceros has some of the best hearing in all of the animal kingdom, which should, you know, that's a, something we should take out of their book. It's a page we should take from their book. We should be great listeners. We should be able to hear, listen, uh, it, it, listening has great potential to help us in our great growth and moving forward. Romans, uh, Paul said this in Romans, so faith comes from hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. Your faith advances when you read scripture on a regular basis and you're putting that into your system. You know, people who say, well, you know, my faith is just stale and weak and it's just not very strong. The odds are good that you're not reading scripture. The odds are good that you're not spending any time putting God's word in your life. You need to do that more than just on Sunday morning. That needs to be a consistent, regular habit for you, okay? Your Bible shouldn't have dust on it. Your, your Bible should be opened and read regularly so that, you know, and I'm not, I'm not even trying to get you to do a daily quiet time. I mean, that'd be great, but you need to read it a little. You need to you know, open it up and see what God has to say to you. God made you. The God who created you, created the sun, moon, and stars, the universe, created you, gave you his word as an owner's manual. And he says, listen, if you want to be successful, this is how you do it. This is what I, you know, you hear me say this all the time, and it really is true. Jesus makes me better at life, and Jesus makes my life better. Here's what I can tell you. Take any subject, marriage, follow what scripture says, your marriage is going to be better. Finances, follow what scripture says and your finances are going to be better. Relationships, work, leisure, think of any area in your life where you might be having a struggle or you don't know what to do. When you, when you follow what scripture says, your life is just, it's going to be better than if you do it on your own. 
Um, you just have to put God's word in your system. Put yourself in positions where you can hear God speak to you and develop healthy habits and have a faith that is moving forward. Uh, the skeptic might hear me right now and they might say something like, you know, Brett, it's kind of foolish that the rhino can run as fast as he can run, uh, but he can't, see, you know, he can't see that far in front of him. It's kind of foolish that he would run very fast. True. But there's another way to look at this, and that is to say that the rhino has an incredibly bold faith. Second Corinthians says this, we walk by faith and not by sight. Uh, like a rhino, oftentimes we can't really see that far into the future. It's one of the big complaints I hear from people is, Brett, I just wish I knew what was going to happen there. I wish I could see further into the future so I could anticipate that a little better. The fact of the matter is you don't. You can't see. And God calls us to live by faith, to to take the next step, sometimes when we don't even know what's going to become of it. I, I think back to when I, in, it was 1992, I'm in my 30th year here, October, it'll be 30 years for me, and, and um, I remember making the decision to, to leave my hometown, my family around, the whole thing, and to move to Terre Haute and to take a position as the youth pastor here. Now, I got to tell you, I never envisioned being the preacher. I never, I never saw any of this happening. But all I had was God saying, I want you to leave home, and I want you to go to Terre Haute. Now, you got to understand, I had told God, I'm not going to Terre Haute. Don't ever tell God what you're not going to do, right? Because God said, well, we'll see about that. And so what's happened is I've spent my entire adult life in Terre Haute, and I've had a, just a wonderful life here. It's been great. I, I wouldn't trade it for anything. But we often don't know. We're not told what the next steps are. Sometimes, you know, we, all we have sometimes is a flashlight. All we have is just enough to illuminate this, this little bit right in front of us. God has the spotlight, and sometimes God will choose to illuminate that for you, and you can see, sometimes you can see very clearly the path that God wants you to take, but a lot of times it's not like that. Sometimes it's, it's a little dark, and sometimes it's God saying, hey, just trust me with the next step. Um, when we were building the building, this isn't in my notes, I should probably not do this because I'll get sidetracked, but when we were building the building, one of the things that we were, we were fond of saying was God always gives you the what before he gives you the how. Think about that. God always gives you the what before he gives you the how. He wants to know, God wants a blank check from you. He wants you to hand him a blank check and for you to look at him and say, you can fill in any amount you want. I trust you. God, I don't need to know how you're going to do it. I just, I need to know what you want me to do. I don't need to know how you're going to make it all work out. I just need to know what I'm supposed to do. God has the spotlight. He will illuminate what you need when you need it. He can see every step. Sometimes we struggle to do that. He sees the big picture. We just see a portion of it. A forward faith keeps us advancing toward Jesus even when it doesn't make sense. Even when it doesn't feel normal. Sometimes God may call you to something, you're going to think, man, it just feels so weird. But if it's God, it'll be a persistent thing. You will know it. And, and it'll be, sometimes it's against the grain. Sometimes it's like, man, this makes no sense. When we have a forward faith, when we walk by faith and not by sight, it's a, it's a, really, it's a, it's a wonderful life if you can get yourself to the place where you trust God enough to step into those moments that, that you're, you, you sense that he's calling you to. I have watched people 
who for whatever reason could not move into that next space. They knew God was calling them forward. They knew God wanted them to, to, to take this next step. They had the ability, they had the capacity to move forward, but instead they allowed fear to paralyze them and they just stayed where they were and they became frightened and reluctant. They, they never took a step of faith, not even a small one, because there is safety and security in the familiar. But here's the problem, that also breeds complacency. It breeds apathy. And, and if you stay sedentary too long, your faith is going to start to die. The same way your body, if your body doesn't move, it's not good for your body to not move. Your body needs to move. Your faith needs to be exercised. You've got to step into some things. You can't, you can't always stay in the same place. Uh, some people don't share their faith with others because they're afraid that they may be made fun of or they, they're afraid that the conversation is going to be awkward. Um, they allow society to direct their steps and not necessarily God. I love this. This is from Proverbs. You'll recognize this. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not only on your own and not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him and he will make your paths straight. A forward faith trust that God knows what is best for us. So just like the rhino, just keep moving forward. Third characteristic that I want you to, to see about the rhino is I want to think about his horn for a minute. Um, the, the horn is the weapon that the rhinoceros leads with and depends on. And when he's running at 30, 30 plus miles an hour, he's running with that strong horn. He's not afraid of very much. Um, th that horn, you know, it's not made of what you think it's made of. A lot of people think that's made of bone. Some people might think that it's made out of ivory, like the tusk of, a, of an elephant. It's, it's not made of either of those things. It's made of very, very fine hairs, very delicate hairs that have been uh, fused together with something called cutin. And it, it grows into and forms this horn that is really solid and hard and and they're able to do some incredible things with it. Uh, what's interesting is that the rhino horn is at once very valuable and very dangerous. It's, it's one of the most dangerous horns in the animal kingdom. It's also one of the most valuable horns in the animal kingdom. And I think it should serve as a visual reminder for every one of us as Christians that when we try to, to be alone in faith, we're going to be weak. We're not going to be able to be what God wants us to be if we're isolated and alone. Uh, together, we're strong. And that's the parallel I want you to see from the rhinoceros. A forward faith flourishes in biblical community. A forward faith flourishes in biblical community. Isolation and separation are some of Satan's strongest weapons. And in the last couple of years, those are the things that he has used to keep us apart, to get us isolated, to get us away from one another. Chances are good that in the last two years, your faith has gotten weaker, not stronger. I hope that's not the case, but it's possible. I think for a lot of people, I, I know I've heard this a lot. Well, I just got out of the habit of going to church. I just got out of the, you know, it just hasn't been as important to me. There have been other things that were more important. Well, that's because we've been isolated. We've been separated. They've kept us away from each other a little bit. I'm just going to tell you, we need each other. We need, I need you. You need me. You need people around you, uh, people of faith, who can help you to understand what it is that God's calling you into next. What is it that God wants to do with you. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, uh, Paul talks about the different parts of the body. And he talks about how, you know, the arm is important, the eye is important, 
Um, you think about all these different parts of your body that if you didn't have one of them, it would make life a lot more difficult. I mean, if you're, you didn't have your fingers, or if you didn't have a thumb, or if you, you know, it makes life more difficult. Uh, all the parts of the body are essential, and when we all do our part, God can do some really incredible things with us. When the church is unified, God is glorified. When we are in a community, it's, it's glorifying to God. The power is not in the numbers. The power is in what God can do with people of like mind who set their mind on doing something. We stand together, we have one another's back. And the reason that some of you don't feel so strong right now is because you're not necessarily in good community. So I would tell you, get involved in a Bible study, get, get on some kind of ministry team, get involved with a small group of some kind, um, come to church. You know, a lot of people just have gotten out of the habit of going to church. Um, make that a consistent thing. Your faith will be stronger the more consistently you go to church. It's just that simple. Make it a priority. Um, I heard a great story about a guy who had a, a bicycle accident and he cracked a couple of ribs. And it turns out that this particular person telling the story is really good friends with Tim Tebow. Ladies, this picture is for you. <clears throat> Enjoy it. I mean, is that a specimen or what? That, that guy, he's pretty, he's, he's, I mean, he's got more muscles than me. Look at that. This guy was telling T, uh, T, Tim Tebow about his cracked ribs. And Tim Tebow said, oh, man, you've got cracked ribs? He said, that's the most painful injury I've ever had in my life. Well, the guy was really happy to hear that because he'd been complaining and whining and, you know, his ribs were hurting and his wife was sick of hearing it. And he said, say that louder so my wife can hear Tim Tebow say it's the, it's the most painful injury he's ever had. And so he's, you know, he's asking Tim about it and he said, uh, uh, a friend asked him, he said, so when were you, he said, you've had broken ribs? And Tim said, yeah, I've had broken ribs. And he said, well, when were you able to return to normal, your normal activities? And, and Tim said, the second half. <laughs> now, I know not everybody likes Tim Tebow. I, I admire Tim Tebow. I, I don't know anybody in the Christian, in the, uh, in the public eye, who lives out their Christian faith any better than him. He, he does it consistently. Uh, you just look at the way he does his foundation. You look at the way, how benevolent he is. Um, he does this thing called Night to Shine, that if you've ever seen that, you know what a great thing that is. Um, he's just a consistent witness for Christ. His marriage is solid. I mean, he's just a, he's a, you know, I don't know that he's a, a professional football player. He wants to be. Uh, I don't know that he's quite good enough to do that, but that's, that's a side thing. Um, that's not really what he's about. He's about his faith. He's about uh, trying to help people come to know who God is. And, um, you know, I tell you the whole thing about the, the cracked ribs because the fourth characteristic of the rhino that we need to model is we need to understand that the rhinoceros has really thick skin. Really thick skin. The, the rhinoceros skin is about somewhere between an inch to an inch and a half thick. And, and as the world grows increasingly more hostile toward Christians, you are going to need a thick skin. I truly believe, and I think we're already seeing it today, that, that Jesus' followers are going to experience more scrutiny, more opposition. Um, in the days to come, it's going to be more difficult to live out your faith. You're going to be intimidated into not letting people know that you are a Christian. 
Um, you better buckle up, buttercup. You better put on your big boy pants because I'm just telling you, it's not going to get easier. It's going to get harder. It's, it's gonna, it's, there's going to come a time when you're going to be challenged, and the challenge is going to be, do I stand up and identify myself as a believer or not? Those days are coming, I'm just telling you, they're already here. And it's not for the faint of heart. It's not for the people who are weak-minded or timid. If you're a Jesus follower, you need to have a tougher skin, and you need to get ready for what's coming because we are going to need to stand up and declare ourselves. Uh, in the future, Christians are going to need to take a stand. I'm just telling you. Now, when I talk about having thick skin, I'm not talking about being um, insensitive. I'm not talking about being calloused. That's not what I mean by that. I'm talking about having a maturity of faith, the, the kind of maturity that Oswald Sanders talked about. I love this quote from Oswald Sanders. Maturity is moving from a thick skin and a hard heart to a thick skin and a soft heart. That's the sign of maturity. That is the sign of a growing, active, uh, forward-moving faith. It strengthens you so that you can endure hits from the opposition. You can withstand the bruises and the broken bones. A thick skin serves the rhino well, and it serves Christians well. Your faith in the future is more than likely going to be openly ridiculed in the public forum. The media is going to openly scoff at your moral structure. Now is the time to decide that you're going to get serious about your faith in Jesus. This is not a time to play Christianity. This isn't a time to play at church. If you want your faith to advance, then your skin is going to have to get tougher. You're going to have to figure out how to toughen up in your faith. We're going to have to start worrying a whole lot more about disappointing God than we are about disappointing our social media followers or even our family or our friendship circle. Having a forward faith is going to require trusting God and his promises more than you trust in your spouse, more than you trust in your bank account, more than you trust in your work, more than you trust in your relationships. You've got to trust in God. You've got to know that God has you. Matthew chapter 16, Jesus said this, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not overcome it. Focus in on that word overcome because I'm going to come back to that in a minute. I don't know what image comes to your mind when, when we read that passage, but I think for a lot of people, when they read that passage, the image that comes to their mind is just this idea that darkness is kind of creeping in on all sides, and you kind of get this, this idea, and this. I think a lot of people think about the Christian as kind of cowering, you know, just as everything presses in, we just, we compress, we, 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 we just feel squeezed on all sides, and we're not we don't have the freedom that we want, or we, you know, we, we aren't as strong as we want to be. Um, I, I think it just brings to mind this image of Christians backing up and backing away from every, this wall of evil and this wall of darkness that kind of comes in our direction. Um, and you get this idea that Christians are basically just saying, we, we need to pray and we need to try to do our best to just kind of hang on and, and maybe the church will survive until Jesus comes back. But that is not how you should see this passage. That, that is not what Jesus meant when he said what he said. If you see it that way, you've got it backwards. Jesus said this, I will build my church and the gates of hell, and I want to change that word. The King James, I don't quote the King James to you very often, but the King James gets this word right. 
I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. What does that mean? Jesus isn't talking about Satan attacking the church in that passage. Jesus is talking about Christians storming the gates of hell. And he says the gates of hell won't be able to stand up against my church. We are the ones that are on offense. A gate is a defensive weapon. A gate is erected by the owner to protect what he has. And when Jesus makes this statement, he's thinking offense. He's thinking we're the ones that are going in that direction. It's not that Satan's coming after us. We're going after him. But somehow the devil has gotten that twisted in our minds, and we think that we're the ones that's supposed to be retreating from him. No, no. We put it in forward. We don't back up. We don't show fear. We advance. Listen to me. For too long, the church has been playing defense, and we've got to start playing offense. It is time for the church to play offense and not defense. Jude says this, snatch others from the fire and save them. We are on the move. We are taking ground. We're going to take back what Satan has illegitimately taken from us. We have to aggressively advance the same way that a rhino does because of our love for people and because we want to see those people one for Christ. Our love for others has to be greater than our fear of being criticized. Our love for others has to be greater than our fear of some awkward conversation that we don't want to have. I'm calling you to decide today that you will not be distracted, that you will not be deterred, that you will not be discouraged because eternity hangs in the balance and lost people matter to God. And I'm just wondering if you've allowed yourself to be sidelined because the world has somehow wounded you or scared you. And whether it's broken ribs or a thin skin, I'm just telling you that in this, it's the second half and it's time to play. And you need to be strong. And you need to be courageous. You need to focus on today. You need to face fear and run it over. You need to be in community with other people. And you need to develop a thick skin. That is what we need as Christians to have a forward uh, faith advancing, a forward advancing faith. You need a faith that moves forward. Thank God for the rhinoceros. You know, he makes these animals and some of them are pretty funny looking. And I can't think of any that look more funny than a rhinoceros. But when you really consider how he's made and what he can do, it's a pretty good model for Christians. Let's pray together. Father, it's been kind of a fun sermon this morning to consider the different things that you have made, this animal, the rhinoceros, and who would have ever thought that so many things that he would possess would be things that we need to focus in on as believers. And God, we are about to walk out of this space and we're going to walk into a world that is growing increasingly hostile to this message. That there is a God in heaven who loves people and loves them so much that he sent Jesus. There are a lot of people in the world who scoff at that, who make fun of that, who want to run that down and want to intimidate us into being silent. And I pray, Father, that we would have a different resolve leaving this room, that we would not shrink back. We would not live our lives in fear. We would advance. We would be moving forward. We, our skin would be thicker. We will be surrounded by people who love us and support us. Help us, Father, to that end. I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.